five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about testing today and direct marketing, which, of course, is my favorite topic. Thank you to uh, Mike Gunderson for putting up some good stuff. But first, let's look at this billboard in India that's driven by the rain. The monsoons make this thing work. This is for Taj Mahal tea, and it's got these buckets. See these buckets? And the buckets move, and then when they dump, they bong into the strings. I'm not sure if those are real strings or somehow they're amplified enough so that you can hear it over the rain. So it's somewhat random. The strings are obviously in, in one chord so that everything that hits is sort of like playing all the black keys on a piano. So that everything that hits sounds melodious. Um, it's it's featured in a, or in, they put it up in a city where 90% of the population drink Taj Mahal tea, and uh, it, the, the ad went up as the monsoons are ending this week. Say. Uh, and they won a Guinness Book World Record for the largest environmental billboard or something. I don't think that's really the place where we care about it. But anyway, the story is over here on uh, on the PDF. Okay, from Audrey Kemp, you know, who we feature regularly. Okay, with every rain shower, the giant sand tour plays the Raj Mahler, I don't know, a type of Hindustani classical music traditionally associated with the monsoon season. So um, it won for the largest environmentally interactive billboard. Um, but it was much more interesting than I thought. You know, when I first heard that, I thought, well, my wiper blades turn on when it rains. That's no big deal. <laughs> but it, it, you know, the way it worked is cool. And it's they said that they there's another story that I'm not going to feature that said that they tried it. They had a lot of trial and error to get this thing to work. And uh, it's really kind of beautiful the way that works. I really like it. Okay, so um, the creative guys at the uh, Ogilvy India said we added rain to it for this experiment. We call it an experiment because it was filled with it was filled with what ifs and no guarantee of results until the day it rained. So they put the thing up. Now you think they could test it with a hose or you know fake rain machine or something, spray a fire hose up in the air and see what happens. But anyway, anyway, it did seem to work rather rather well. Okay, another in in additional news, Amazon announced that it's launching its first drone deliveries finally. And um, Mark Roper, Roper did a, a, a feature on pharmaceutical deliveries in uh, Rwanda, I think it was. And a fascinating video. I'll put a link to it in the comments. Rwanda had the you know, big genocide, but now I think every Saturday the country goes out and 
cleans up trash and cleans up the, you know, whatever needs cleaning. The whole country takes the day or a couple of hours and cleans up. And, and uh, there's an esprit de corps in the country, and it's growing faster than the rest of Africa or the United States or the Western world. Their GDP is way up. But they have a, a drone delivery where they can send it out to remote hospitals, send pharmaceuticals. He also shows the drone delivery that was getting pioneered by Amazon at the time where the drone stays way up in the air and drops a little capsule down onto your deck or something. And uh, that keeps the noise down, which I thought was pretty cool. It's like a, a hundred foot cord comes out and drops it down gently not just dunk. In Rwanda, they were, they were putting the, they were just dropping the, the paper bags, which seemed to work really well. And it, and it kept it high enough. They asked one doctor if they'd ever uh, seen one of the drones, and he said no. But if I hear one, I'd like to go see it. And they said, well, one just flew over and dropped this bag. <laughs> so, uh, fascinating stuff, I think. Um, it combines two strategies, Amazon pharmacy and drone delivery they're probably going to do it just in college station texas because that's the only place that they have drone delivery but they may get it working in lockford california um they said you know drone delivery sounds complicated but compared to trucks and the insurance and then there's some other same day delivery for pharmacy they said that uh the article said that they 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 tried, they, they thought they could do this back in 2013, but it's been very slow going. 2016, the first delivery in England. 2020 was the first delivery in the United States. Um, but they said it's been surpassed by offerings from the likes of Walmart. I don't think the drone delivery. The other interesting thing was they said that the drone launcher is outside the pharmacy, which means that uh, they could conceivably sell this to other pharmacy chains if it would get approval um, you know you don't need a very big drone to deliver pharmaceuticals and I think that's one of the keys to this um, keeping the weight of the drone down so that if it fell on your head it wouldn't kill anybody uh, so anyway interesting story now we're going to get over to uh, Matthew Parker my friend Matthew Parker um, Matthew if you want to if you're watching you could chime in. I'm going to light up the chat so I can see if anybody's chiming in. Okay, five ways to make your content more readable. Now, I'm a little nervous about this article because Matthew, you know, I understand that he does a lot of sales training and helps a lot of print companies uh, and teaches them how to sell not just on price but on and not just on service either, you know, but on basically marketing innovation. But when he starts doing creative, then I'm nervous because, you know, that's, I like to do creative. Maybe he's going to steal my clients. Truth be told, I don't have any clients in the UK. He does have a few in the U.S., and he has sent a few to me. So God bless Matthew Parker. And we have done a webinar together. Maybe we should do another webinar. Those things seem to pull better than these random talks. <laughs> okay. Have you ever given up on reading a blog? Right? We've all struggled to read small text and long, complicated sentences. Right? And uh, those are two big 
no-nos in direct marketing copy. I did an analysis of about 60 ads for the Billy Graham annuity division back long ago. And one of the things we found, their target market was, you know, um, elderly women mostly. And we found that if the text got below eight point type, there was no response. It didn't just slope down, but it just went off the cliff, just completely, completely died. So um, I also see complicated long sentences in lots of posts. I think that ChatGPT loves long sentences. <laughs> there are many ways in which I could answer this question. However, you know, dot, dot, dot. Anyway, so, you know, I, I did my graduate work in philosophy. And in philosophy, one might think direct sentences would be the norm. However, one rule was to qualify before you actually revealed your position. That was one long sentence. That's the way I w would write in philosophical papers uh, and sometimes worse than that and so when I got started in direct mail man oh man I had to learn a whole nother vocabulary or unlearn a vocabulary and unlearn passive voice and subordinate clauses and phrases and oh my goodness you know how to write in a direct manner that was key but because it was so foreign <clears throat> to my education I think I did learn what to watch out for. If you see uh, could, should, would, those words, that's that's uh, passive voice, I think. Um, third party, no. Second party, yes. That's how it works. You, you, you in the copy. Okay, anyway, on the other hand, blogs that are written to appeal to their audience will gain popularity. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, it depends on their audience. You know, if I would have done um, something like uh, Bible and bass fishing, I think I would have a million followers, but direct mail, <laughs> just not many. Okay, long sentences are hard to digest. Here's the five rules. Use short sentences, use subheads, um, use illustrations. Avoid technical language and use pictures. I inserted this picture, oh, by the way, Matthew Parker, because I wasn't sure what the K was in CMYK. I knew cyan, magenta, yellow, and then I was thinking K? I don't know, cocoa? <laughs> it's kind of close. It means key, and key is like, is like, you know, making sure it's aligned on the paper and also black. <laughs> black is the key color. Um, what's interesting, I, I use this on purpose because in printing, you can kind of get by with just the three colors without the black. We've done it before. Um, oftentimes we use black as a test because you can test copy and, and keep the four color plates the same. Now with digital, that isn't as a big deal, but it, I'll tell you what, with rotogravure it is. <laughs> And sometimes we would use a fifth color black uh, as a an inexpensive cylinder that we could do price changes or date changes or things like that. Now in light, red, green, blue, simple. <laughs> red, green, blue. We've got cyan, magenta. 
<laughs> anyway, but in light, three colors make the LED screen you're probably looking at right now work. But in print, in ink, uh, instead of it getting white where there's the intersection, it gets black-ish. And uh, but real black helps a little bit. So I put this picture in. Use pictures. Use a reader. Get somebody to read it for you. That's an excellent idea. Uh, send it to me. I'd be happy. This is a great one. Answer a single question. My style consultant says I should just do one article per day. That's probably true. Make sure your question is really specific and focus on just one subject. Okay. And so it turns out Matthew does <laughs> copy and stuff like that. Okay, I don't see him chiming in. Gunderson Direct. Mike Gunderson, the why, what, when, and how of direct mail creative. I don't know if he hit the why too hard. But anyway, uh, A-B testing is often the most viable testing technique. Okay, because mail quantities are seldom large enough these days with all the digital segmentation everybody wants to do. Maybe it's a reason to put a little more uh, circulation out there to see what's really going on. One variable, one variable only is what A-B testing means, although it's really come to being more generic. You know, it means that you are actually careful in your testing. Okay, uh, one variable only with two creative executions. I was going to show some of mine, but I'll just talk about his. With the exact same target, the A-B is for every other name. We used to do that with they, we had printouts, four up, Cheshire means paper that we'd glue on as a label, make a paper printout into a label. Um, anyway, but they were four up, and so if you chopped the thing in half and ran it twos to one to one creative and two the, the other half to the other creative, you would get two of this, then two of that, then two of this, then two of that, then two of this, then two of that. So it was a pretty good hom homogenous random sampling of the list so that the, we could we could rely on the we could rely on the differential to be real. Maybe there's a lot more to it than that, okay? Um, so you might have a different offer, a different control or a different envelope versus the control. There's a lot of things you can test. And that might be one of the things. I did a talk back in 87 when the stock market crashed uh, called What to Test When the Well Runs Dry down in Louisiana, down in New Orleans. Or New Orleans, as my friends down there used to say. Okay, be clear on the single variable you want to test in each segment. And I've shown you that cover test we did with 600,000 pieces, and we just changed the logos on the items on the cover of a 48-page catalog, meaning that everything else, the header, the footer, the every all the copy on the cover, just the images in the pictures, and all the items were the same also. So we were very, very, very careful to keep things right, and it was a 40% lift. Yeah, that's a good story. I'll try and find a, a video where I cover that. Anyway, here's a typical scenario. Okay, they've got a tip on. That's those little cards that are attached that make the envelope feel a little a little stiff. And you say, oh, maybe they're sending me a credit card or something. Uh, or my new uh, AARP ID. 
I used to carry those around when I was in my 50s, but not anymore. I managed to slip by the age restrictions of the senior menu at Denny's without any trouble now. Uh, versus a check at the top. Notice that the paper is longer here than the paper would be with the tip on. Okay, I'm not sure which would be more expensive. I'm guessing the tip on. Unless you want to perf this or something, unless it's a real check, then it would be a lot more expensive. But if it's just a fake check with personalization on it, I don't. I think this would be the less expensive piece. And they're saying keep the envelope exactly the same. Um, Mike in the article says that you could rewrite the the copy to change to keep the the paper size the same, but but. Rewriting the copy will change that. And uh, Craig Huey changed the changed the label on the button where you know you start to fill it out and it says submit where you're in your shopping cart versus pay you know payment method or something like that. He changed it to payment method because that was the next thing, and it it pulled 25% I think better just that labeling that button so you have to be really careful thinking well we can change some more of this or we can change some more of that as it is they kept this part exactly the same as this part and that's how you test this element versus that element and that's the right way to do it and that's what's wonderful about this article which will be available in the show notes shortly after the show Okay, and he goes into a little bit of detail there. Uh, if you're going to test a, a letter against a postcard, you know, you want to keep it as, it's not, you know, keep the gist of it the same if you can. Uh, my daughter was was uh, running a trade show, a big trade show for heavy equipment in in South America. And, uh, and she... They had always sent out postcards in the U.S. to remind people of this upcoming show. And I said, have you ever tested, a, you know, a letter, a number 10 envelope? And she said, what do you mean test? <laughs> so anyway, they were only mailing about 4,000 pieces, which is exactly the scenario that, that Mike is talking about. Where That's about the minimum for statistical validity, <laughs> You know, where we're going to get 50 responses or something uh, would be about a 1%, 1.3% response or something. And so 1.25, I suppose. Anyway, so uh, a relatively normal response and a small content. Um, but anyway, she did it and they got four times the response from the letter. And part of it was that they don't consider the postal service to be confidential in the uh in south america and a lot of the countries for whatever reason whether it's the post people post the men themselves or the or others who might see the offer they don't like postcards as much down there they didn't this was a number of years ago uh so it is possible to test them you do your best see what happens uh it's still better than instead of mailing the postcard and then mailing the letter at a different time and date it's still better to try split testing, I think. And you can always retest it. Uh, that was that. That's the next step in all of these results, especially with small quantities, is to retest. Now, what Mike left out, this is the part I wanted to tease him about, is he didn't really talk about the why. And the why usually starts in the scientific method. It starts with an observation, right? It starts with an observation. Uh, we would like to save money. 
would be the test on that tip-on versus the uh, the check, right? Or we've had uh, similar results with checks. There's a hypothesis that goes along with the observation that we get a lot of financial offers with a check on the top. Maybe that's, it, at least it's clear that it's a financial offer. There's a lot of observations you might make that would lead you to a hypothesis. So let's hypothesize. Let's, let's say, why is, why would the tip-on do better than the check? And you make up a make up a, a hypothesis and then you run the test very carefully for that objective and then you end up with an explanation okay we think the check did better because right and then you retest and try checks in other con contexts or something like that or you change something else you now the ch now the check becomes the control and now you change the offer slightly something like that and that is the iterative process of direct marketing which is the name of this organization World Direct Marketing Association. So have a great day. Thanks for that, Mike. Like and repost. Your friends will know you're really smart. Bye-bye.